0: So, um, my inspiration for today, and then we can, you know, have a wide field, is uh, tomorrow is the day of Dipavali, something connected with that. Of course, we all know that it is celebrated in the honor of Lord Rama's return, all the way after vanquishing Ravana. So, this story is uh, normally, uh, you know, we speak about this story as a story of victory of good over evil. Which, though right, is a bit of an oversimplification of things. It's a deeply mystic story. If it was just a victory of good over evil, it would not endure for uh, millenniums. And Shurvindra has spoken so much about Ramayana and the Mahabharata, the way it is composed, its style and substance and poetry. Uh, all that, to touch upon it, is a whole workshop. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I'll just talk about the story part of it. So the story, outwardly, we all know. So uh, the story uh, begins before the the drama starts, not upon Earth, but elsewhere. That is something very beautiful about uh, Indian thoughts and legends and stories, that what we see upon Earth is an enactment of something that is taking place on several planes. And on each plane, it gives a new sense and meaning. So among the many beautiful truths that uh, India has given to the world one of them is that we are not living just a single flat existence upon earth there is an interconnectedness through many many universes systems of worlds right going back to the source which is one and all story begins from there branches out into many many detail like many tributaries flowing from the himalaya and then as yesterday we were saying, going back to the source, but with a difference. So when the Ganga starts from Gomuk, it doesn't really start from Gomuk. It starts manifesting from Gomuk. It enters into the sea. This picked up by the sun into these skies. And from there, it rains upon earth and makes the lands fertile. So Ganga's story is not confined from Gomuk to the Bay of Bengal. That Ganges goes all around as cloud formations and and there is another level of the story of ganges which is taken place elsewhere but today we'll focus on ravana though that is a very fascinating story of ganges gangama so the ravana story is that uh, they are the two Dwarpals of the lord vishnu and jay vijay they are meant to guard the gates and as happens when we are very near the lord we have to be very very humble because it's the seat of ultimate power. And if you are not humble, the fall can be as precipitous. So the greater the grace, the more humility it should bring. So these people forget that lesson or they have to learn the lesson or teach for all of us like a reminder. So they are at the gates of the Lord Vishnu, Dwarpal, as Jay Vijay. And they slowly become very arrogant that we are the near and dear ones of the Lord, none like us. We allow people to go and have darshan of the Lord to meet him. It's a big big thing. (laughs) So once one of the rishis comes, there are different versions of this, who is the rishi, but that's not really the main thing. So he wants to enter and have an audience with Lord Vishnu and the two stop him. This is not time. This is closed. You can see the door. You're not allowed inside. So that's, you know, the Rishi is, uh, I can access him all the time inside. You people are here at the gates of the Lord. You don't have even the discernment to understand. You are applying a mechanical rule on everyone. See, the mechanical rule application is only like death's flatness and equality. But the divine doesn't work like that. He works with an infinite plasticity and freedom. He says, You people don't know. Your mind is still full of suspicion. Your mind is very rigid, <laughs> so you enter into worlds of suspicion and fear because that is your property. And he storms into the Lord's chamber and has his audience, and all that is another story. And then he comes back. So, there's another beautiful thing about Indian thought uh, stories that you have stories within stories, like if you read the Mahabharata, so many stories interwoven with each other. Because you can't underst- understand life unless you see all these stories together. Life is a totality. So, when we try to understand any life based on my personal story, you cannot understand it because my story is interlinked with whole cosmic stories and our personal stories and many things. So, anyways, the Rishi comes out and then they rush inside and say, We are very sorry. We made a big blunder. So he says, Yes, I know. You people had once stopped even Lakshmiti from entering. Saying that time time, Lord is resting. How can you be so undiscerning? And, uh, you know, it's because she's Lakshmi, goddess of harmony and love. She doesn't curse anyone. She just steps back, disgusted by this kind of thing. That's what Lakshmi goes away from hearts that are crude. She doesn't, unlike Kali, who will <laughs> ensure that, <laughs> you know, your crudeness vanishes. But she waits Because she is a very patiently, she works upon human nature, allows that poison to come out. So that's why whenever in life we face any bitterness, disharmony, you have to just wait and patiently allow harmony to emerge. It is always there inside. Ultimately, love wins. But we are not patient enough. So that's one part as an aside. (laughs) Many take home points. So (laughs) He says, I am sorry, Lakshmi could do that, but Rishis, you know, are very passionate by nature and uh, they are quick to temper, but equally quick to calm down. But now his word cannot fail because those who live by truth, their word carries the vibrations of truth. So you have to go down. So he says, but there must be a remedy. He says, yes, there is a remedy for everything. So he says, please tell us. He says, you have two options. One is you come back in three lives. And if you come back in three lives, uh, you will have to face me uh, as a wrestler. You'll have to come take me as a combatant. So, okay, what is the other option? Other option is seven lives. Seven lives. The way of the gods. You have to labor upon earth. You have to make turn towards perfection. So these people, as you know, perhaps that's where the culture of fast food started. They said three lives. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So rocks it, three lives. So they fall. See, the story of fall is recounted in almost every scripture. In Bible, we hear the story of, you know, Adam and Eve falling. Uh, there is story of man falling from some great height. But this story has its own andaz, Nirala andaz. You know, it has its own flavor. So, they fall and God says, uh, Mr. Bhagavan says, my promise is I'll come and redeem you. So, okay, they come. They come as the two great titans, uh, Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyaksh. God has to come down and he, three lives. So, in that life, they are annihilated. Then he, they, he, the two comes come as, uh, uh, you know, Ravana and uh, Migna, uh, Kumkarna, Ravana and Kumkarna. Again, he comes as Ram and redeems them. And then they come in the final birth is Kansan, Sishupal. So again, they are redeemed back. Now in this story, which sounds very simple, there are many, many layers to it. And I look at it in one way that there is, you know, because recently some, some, somebody connected with spiritual movements had written a little note which came to me through WhatsApp, what's my view on it. It was a story, he had captioned it, there is no height from which you cannot fall. So that is true. If you look at it, Ravana is so high. And if you look at his earthly life, Ravan was an accomplished person, quite accomplished. He had read the you know, Vedas. He, had, he was a great musician. He was, you know, of course, a great king. His subjects loved him because he's lavished gold on everyone and everything. But there's no height from which you cannot fall. So my view was asked, and this is my view, there's no fall from which you cannot rise. This is the other side of the story. So this is the other side of the Ravana story. <laughs> so man has fallen is one part. So in the sense, we have lost or forfeited our divinity. But there is always hope. It's a story of hope, of courage, of, of love. Ramayana is a tale of love. Ultimately, it is ultimately the victory of love, but that's the whole of Ramayana. So how does he return back? Now, you see the original cause for fall is vanity. Mother speaks of few things as very, very dangerous as far as spiritual life is concerned. So one of them is vanity, ambition, Now there is a normal ambition which people nourish and nurture, of course, for spiritual life, ambition, um, anyways, ambition means me. So, Jammaetha nahi Jabhari Sakari, two cannot go together. By, by its very nature of things, the two cannot go together. Uh, so he had that tremendous vanity, Jain Vijay. Who are we? We are special people, commissioned by God. We allow people to enter. We are the mediators. So they had to fall. It is this which was the root of Ravna, which he carries into this life. He is full of that vanity. And this vanity comes up in several ways. One of them is, it's a very interesting thing how his fall starts. His fall starts when he tells um, Shiva, who is a great bhakti, that will you please come to my place. And Shiva says, uh, Bolenath, he says, okay, now Parvati ji has a problem. (laughs) How can he be confined to one little golden cage? He is everywhere. But this is, of course, Shiva Leela, and we know the rest of the story, how Lord Ganesha conspires and Shiva stays there as Jyotir Ling. That story itself has many ramifications. But the and substance is that you cannot confine the divine into any kind of narrow way of life, thought process, dogmas, rigidity, because he is everywhere and in everything. So Sarvavyapi, you cannot limit him, ki he will be only here and nowhere else. So he is there, but he is also everywhere. This is what Ravana forgets time and again. This is a very interesting poem of Surabindo, incidentally. It is about Rakshasa, it's about Ravana. That all the people are praying <coughs> to Lord Krishna. It's a very fascinating tale poem because, you know, he speaks about the Rishis going to Krishna. In normal story of Ramayana, you will see Shiva and Parvati, and of course Rama. Krishna nowhere comes because Krishna has not taken an avatar. But in Sri poem, they go to Krishna and say, Ravana is creating havoc. So, what do you do about it? He says, "An Aeon he has taken to evolve and Aeon he shall rule. So, first he asks the Saptrishis, they are the, you know, council guardians, the stars as guides. So, they say, but he has to go. He says, okay, he will go because he has made a fatal error. So what is the error of Ravana? He says he has this, this mantra, Aham Brahmasmi, I am God. See, yesterday we were talking about it, but look at the subtle, as they say the devil is in the details. Aham Brahmasmi, he knows that he is God, all are God. So he is God and therefore he derives his strength from this idea that there is this divine inside him. So what is the flaw? He says it doesn't know that all, all is God. Mm-hmm. See that little difference. He is God is fine. When we say I am God, yes, it's truth. But equally all are God. Every creature is God. Every grain of sand. There's a beautiful prayer of the mother. she says, uh, you know, each grain of sand speaks of thee. So he has forgotten that. Therefore, his fall is inevitable. So this is a complementary truth. There are three complementary truths that, you know, the Isha Upanishad speaks of. One is the divine within us. And then the divine is within all. And all is within the divine. And of course, the final one that all is the divine. So he says he has only picked up half the truth. That truth has given him power. But because he doesn't know the other half, he'll fall. So how he will fall? So he says he will fall only to a human being or to a Now you see the story is a beautiful evolutionary tale. So man begins his life as a Rakshasa and you know he is devouring everything. Rakshasa is of course we all know not that uh, two seeing wala January is better actually. So Rakshasa is somebody who devotes. He has a gigantic appetite. Everything he wants only for himself. So he is from Rakshasa evolves into an Asura. Asuras are Great intellectuals who have studied in all the big universities in the world, but their minds are turned towards expansion of the empire of the ego. That's what an Asura is. So he's an Asura. He's very learned. He's probably, you know, given lectures in Harvard's and many places. So he is regarded as many degrees, but he, he is, misses something very fundamental, Something that is not taught in any university that this life, this world is not for you alone. It, it is, you know, Sri Krishna had to teach this lesson by Makhan Chori and distributing. It's not only yours. It is something you have to share with the world. So <laughs> lesson is socialism, divine socialism. Both Rama and Krishna revealed to us socialism in their own way. Rama in his way, Ganika, Jamil, Vyad, Gid, Gajad, Khalthari, Gana. Everybody takes together. The animal, the fallen, the vulture, everyone he takes together. Krishna, that whatever is there, you have to share with everybody. You can't just keep the makhan only with you. (laughs) So anyways, Ravan doesn't know it. So he will fall. But in his fall, he will open the way for evolution. So after the Asura, Shavinda speaks of the 10 categories through which humanity evolved. And if you read through uh, normal biology, evolutionary biology, he has told that there were nine layers of humanity between the first cave man, Neanderthals and all this, even before Neanderthals, Neanderthals came much later, and the present man who is Homo sapiens erectus. There were many, many subspecies. Uh, so through this, evolution goes on, and the asura falls to the animal and the human. So it's a story of redemption in two ways one is the story of redemption is through the evolutionary process so any vritti within us ravana has the vritti of vanity ambition the right ways to surrender it to the lord and then that capacity for doing wonderful things increases mother says that when you surrender uh, divine doesn't finish you people are very afraid but she aggrandizes what is within you, which is worthy of growing into its divinity, that will happen. So that is the stage of human evolution by uh, refining the tendencies, the vrittis, by surrendering to the divine. There is an efflorescence. But Ravana and you individually had refused that path. See, that is the story of seven lives. Seven lives is the longer time scale, but it's the path of perfection. That's why so many lives, people often say, "Janam karam ka. because the divine is perfect perfection. He wants everything to be beautiful. You can't make a beautiful painting in just, you know, give me half an hour and I'll do it. That is only computers can do it. <laughs> but a real thing which comes alive, it's only done over a period of time. And because the divine is a perfectionist, therefore it takes time, does it patiently. But Ravan doesn't want that. He's impatient. So one, another take-home lesson is never be impatient, whether in personal life or in spiritual life, because that comes in the way of the growing perfection. <clears throat> People who are very impatient, they want you know, things to happen immediately, quickly. They, there are many fast food methods of spirituality. Fast food methods, we know. Learn a technique, do a method, and, and then you'll be out of the cycle of creation. Why would he put us into it? I mean, it's a, a front to the divine wisdom to say somehow we are trapped and now we have to get out. Obviously, if that was the case, the original plan is faulty. <laughs> Even a human being will not do it. So, obviously, it's a journey of perfection. Ravana himself refuses it because Asura doesn't accept that path. So, there was a god-like path, the Uttarayan the upward path of ascension, Shrivimda speaks about that, of a progressive transformation from the asura to the animal, to the human, to the godlike to the divine. That's how the Tantra speaks of these three levels, Pashuvat, Veervat and Devavat, the three levels of tantric sadhana. Instead he chooses the path of wrestling with the divine, doubt, divine doesn't exist, vanity, I am the one who is improving God's world. You know, when you go to Mother's room, <laughs> two wonderful things: when you go to Shivinder's room, cling to truth. And Mother was asked that Mother, what is this cling to truth you have spoken about? She says, "Yeah, I wrote, but uh, everybody is turning it into a dogma. They believe what they know is truth. All answers. <laughs> there <laughs> is <laughs> there's a whole commentary on that." <laughs> So so the disciple asked mother, then what is truth? She says, you cannot define it. But if you are sincere about living it, you will know at each moment. Don't try to limit it into a rigid, narrow dogma. So that is when you go to Shurabinda's room. When you go to mother's room, it's something very amazing. First time when I had seen it, at least personally, it had hit me very hard because as a youngster, you want things to change and become wonderful. You are idealist, and you know, still you must. But we almost are like this world should become better, wonderful very soon, very fast, with that idealism you are going, and suddenly it hit me. You want to (laughs) change what the creator is doing, or you want (laughs) it hit me. What does she mean? Now, over a period of time, you understand. That there is a way to change. But you must understand the wisdom that has created it. You can't change it through impatient revolt. That is the way the Asura wants to change. We want the world to become better. We want everything to become equal, freedom, equality, great things. But how does the Asura want? He wants to impose it externally, even freedom and equality. Externally, unity by outer means, without understanding that the basis has to be first inward. If you don't create the inner basis, it won't work out. So that is the quick way. Quick ways are precipitous. Ravana for everything wants a quick way. Shiva, you come. I have made a wonderful place for you. And of course, Shiva taught him this beautiful lesson, which he didn't quite get. So the lesson was when Shiva is all in trance and he is not allowed to meet, he says, Pura Parvat le i will pick up the whole mountain and take. I am so strong. See how grace comes in so many ways. So Shiva just gently, it's a very beautiful story. He just presses with his uh, toe, great toe. And Ravana's hands are crushed. So then we have the famous Shivstuti of Ravana, you know. Jata, Jata, you know. Somebody would remember very beautiful. Because he's crushed, he realizes that, you know, I am nothing and nobody. Actually, it was Shiva's way of saying, get rid of vanity. You are nothing and nobody without all strength is given by the divine, but he doesn't learn the lesson. So several times Shiva comes to help him, even Mata Sita goes to help him. You see now that other side of the story, there is a Ramayan called Adhyatma Ramay, which is from Sita's perspective. So Sita Mata is asked that, How come you, you are Adi Shakti? How did this fellow take you and all this drama had to happen? I was trying my last bit to change him. After all, the fellow did love me somewhere. And I knew his origin. He has forgotten. So I went along with him. And actually in the Ramayana it is there that, you know, she wears that avidyamai banjati. You know, she wears the mask of ignorance. So Ravana could come near. Otherwise Ravana could not have come near her. And she goes all the way with him. Goes through all the, uh, you know, but... Time and again, you see her original form when Ravan tries to come near. She just picks up a blade of grass and tells him, don't cross this limit. I have set your limits. Don't cross it. If you cross it, you'll be finished. So even a most uh, seemingly innocuous thing, if behind it the divine grace is there, then nothing can really touch it. So this, this truth is revealed in several ways. So, She is the Adi Shakti, but she goes with him, gives him all the chance to change. But as his destiny, he has to ultimately go back through the path of the Asura, which is wrestling and combating with the divine. Ultimately, you will reach him because everywhere he is there. So this is the other part which people say, anyways, divine is everywhere. Any which way you will reach it's true. But the path you take are mainly two. One is the path of antagonizing, opposing the divine plan and the divine will and when you do that ultimately what is what will happen mother's message of 1954 ultimately no human will can prevail against the divine will and then she says deliberately put your will on the side of the divine and the victory is certain even that people started saying ah see we are on the side of divine will <laughs> that's a different matter altogether so ravana's story is a story where several chances he gets he has fallen from a great height, true. But several times the divine has not forgotten. He has forgotten the divine. That's why mother says, My child, even if I have seen you once, I never forget. Those who remember me, there is a special tie. And she says it doesn't matter where you are. You may be in Pondicherry, you may be in France, you may be on the other side of the world. And I would say, in any worlds, not only this world, she doesn't forget. So look at the story. Ravana has forgotten. He is only worried about the boon that is given to him that only man or <laughs> a monkey can fall, make you die. He has forgotten, but the divine is not forgotten. To this extent that Mother Lakshmi as Sita comes all the way to change him. She is there with him for one month in Asokwatika. That maybe her presence, his love for her, maybe at some place he will change. As an aside to this story, there is a very beautiful, you know, as I said, Ramana, Ramana is a tale of love. So very often you will see that Rama is trying to cut his head and it comes back again. And then Vibhishan comes and tells him, Amrit kumbh to yaha you know, that immortality he derives his strength from here in the navel. So shoot it there. Asura derives his strength from the lower vital regions. Mm-hmm. But uh, In in any such story, there are many untold things which are very important. So often I say when people say, I've read all of Sri that's not enough. The many things is not written. They are between the lines. And it's beautiful to get them revealed. So in this story, what, you know, normally you feel that, okay, he was trying to remove his head. He could have just shot an arrow in the heart. That's the seat where life is there. Why does Rama doesn't do it? So Rama is asked this question. Lord Rama is asked, why don't you hit him in the heart? Finish the whole thing. And Ram says something very beautiful. See the love that they embodied. He says, you know, however faultily he loves Sita, the Sita is in his heart. I can't hit him. Look at the tenderness of the divine love. It's also there in Jalanda's story. Where Shiva cannot kill this Asura because in his heart is <laughs> Tulsi or Vrinda who is a Vishnubhad. I can't kill. Look the shades of love and tenderness and beauty and grace and charm that have been woven around these stories. What tender love that. I mean, he loves the lady who is supposed to be yours. But still, look at that love which on one side will get her back because it is a dharma. On the other side, he is not touching his heart because that's where he, whatever form of love. So, but Sita has gone there. Rama goes, gives him several chances through Angad, through Hanuman. What is he doing? He's trying to tell him, see, just surrender. Just surrender. That's all that is required. <laughs> I remember you have fallen from there. All that you need is just surrender. But vanity is Vanity. And then at the end, he says, okay, now you have left no other option, (laughs) but to absorb you back into me. And that's why there's a very beautiful, um, small little um, article we may say, but about a one page, which Nalini Da has written among his last writings. And he speaks about Ravana as, uh, Ravana vanquished, is Ravana transformed. He becomes a Bhakta of the Lord. So you see, this is such a beautiful story. So when we talk about victory, it's not just about good over evil. It's the victory of love over all that opposes it. And how does love become the victor? By transforming. His vanity ultimately has to yield. You have no other choice. But to yield before that, I mean, surrender is anyways the most logical, commonsensical things. When you talk about the creator, we surrender to everybody except the creator. I mean, look at the enormity the silence of space, and the star, the way they are woven. And when Ravana, each such being converted and transformed, becomes uh, you know, if I use a Hindi expression, Tare Zameen Par. It becomes a manifestation of the Divine, but upon Earth. So we celebrate with the Bavali. All these, I mean, they know where it's <laughs> all, not written anywhere. <laughs> So we celebrate the Deepavali that however thick the night, even if the stars have vanished from the sight, still there can be light and each of us can become one of these stars upon earth if we learn how to surrender the ego and the vanity and be just what the divine wants us to be.